The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, Truly, I say to you, it will be hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said to them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Then Peter said in reply, Lo, we have left everything and followed you. What then shall we have? Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man shall sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. But many that are first will be last, and the last first. The Gospel of the Lord. So as we've noted uh, before with this scene, the disciples are obviously aware that the Lord, when he speaks about these type of riches, it's more than simply earthly riches, it's attachments in any form, right? Attachments in any way that might creep into the heart. And that is why the disciples are also shocked, because they are not rich men in terms of earthly wealth. They have nothing. They were fishermen. They even left all of those things, and they followed Christ. And so their shock at, well, who can be saved then, shows that they know the Lord is speaking about this interior attachment that can be had to other things, or even to false ideas about God and false ideas about ourselves. And so what we saw from yesterday's reading is that one of those false ideas that can creep into the heart is this type of self-reliance upon our own activity to save ourselves. So that's the mystery of that uh, young man that comes to the Lord and says, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? And so it is this kind of belief that our own power can save us. And so that's one of the errors and the attachments that has to be cleansed out of the heart is the reliance on our own power, uh, but then also a misunderstanding or a, uh, a lack of belief in the power of God, right? In the power of God and the fact that the Lord is able to do these things. And so I think that that is manifested in today's gospel where, quite sadly, the disciples asked, who can be saved in the presence of the Savior, right? That's the sadness of that statement. The Lord is the Savior, and they're expressing disbelief as to the possibility of anyone being saved. Now, this is the entire purpose that he's come for. He's come as the Savior. He's come to save his people. And so who can be saved? Whoever he saves, right? Whoever Christ saves, that's who can be saved. So it is this purification of the interior that needs to happen. One, with regards to self-reliance, our own strength, the acknowledgement of our weakness, but not falling into despair at the sight of that weakness. It is simply knowing that we are weak 
but God is strong. And the mystery of God in terms of how he acts within us as St. Paul expresses it, or as the Lord expressed it to St. Paul, my power is made manifest in weakness, in weakness. So it's this acknowledgement of who we are, which is what we see in the first reading with regards to Gideon. Gideon is beating out the wine, uh, is beating out the wheat in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites, right? Because they used to come in and they would raid all of these lands as soon as the harvest was ready and they would take all the food from the people. And so he's taken some of the wheat and he's gone into the wine press and he's, he's busy uh, processing it and, and beating out the wheat there uh, so that it might be hidden and might not be taken. So we can see he's in fear. He is experiencing his own weakness, his own littleness in the face of a great power or a power that is simply greater than himself. And the angel of the Lord then appears to him and he calls him something different. He says, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now there's nothing about what he's doing that shows any type of might or power. In fact, it shows the opposite. And then even Gideon himself says, well, you, you know, you're calling me to do this. He says, but my tribe is the smallest and I am the least of all of them. How is this going to be possible? And the answer of God is always the same throughout human history. I will be with you. That's it. That's the power. That's the source. That's the way in which this will be accomplished. I will be with you. And then you have this kind of Eucharistic prefiguration or prefigurement in then what Gideon offers to the angel of the Lord, which is this flesh also with this unleavened bread. And so it is the mystery of this sacrifice that will be consumed, if you will, by God as he takes up to himself human nature, but will also be shared with us as he then gives us the mystery of the Eucharist. And so that is the source of strength and power, the presence of the Savior in our midst. As we come to acknowledge humbly our weakness, our inability, our lack of power, the answer to that is that the Lord is with us. The Lord is present. The mystery of the Eucharist. God is the strength of his people. Who then can be saved? Whoever he saves. Whoever participates in his saving mystery through the graces and the sacraments of the church, but most especially as always through here, the Mass, where we participate in that saving action of Jesus Christ, his saving mystery. And it is in this where we acknowledge our, our weakness, our lack of power, where we come to the altar of the Lord, stripped of everything and standing before him in need of a savior. Well, this is where we encounter the savior. As we celebrate today the queenship of Mary, she is as always the perfect exemplar of this for us. She had no earthly wealth or riches. She was poor and humble and yet when the angel Gabriel comes to her, he says, Hail Mary, Hail Mary. She is acknowledged as queen because although she does not have earthly riches, what she treasures is God himself. And because she treasures God, she then receives the son. She receives that which she loves. She receives that to which her whole life is oriented and focused. She receives her, the deepest desire of her heart which is God. And so the fact that she is stripped of everything, the fact that she does not rely on her own strength, she just simply says, how will this be accomplished? 
And then she, again, she submits herself to the strength and power of God when she says, be it done unto me according to thy word. She is this beautiful model for us of living in our human weakness, but then being supported by the strength of God. This activity in her life has then also then made her the queen of heaven and earth. She sits in majesty and authority. She stands beside her son. She also then shares in those graces and the distribution of those graces. She acts in a certain sense because of the power of her intercession with the power of God, knowing fully who she is, that she is not God, but she is completely reliant upon him. She is this beautiful model for us, and so we pray for that grace, that we might know ourselves and our weakness, but that we might have great confidence in the fact that the Lord is with us. Amen.